0: Christ
1: is risen.
2: He is risen Risen indeed. Indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is
0: risen risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen
1: indeed. Alleluia.
0: Psalms 118 Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. He will not die, but live, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Let us pray to God. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened up to us, the gate of everlasting life. Grant that we, who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection, may be raised from the death of sin by your life-giving Spirit. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
1: reading from Isaiah. See, I will create new (coughs) heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days. Or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered a curse. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them. Or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be people blessed by the Lord. They and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain, says the Lord.
2: We sing hallelujah. We sing.
3: A reading from the Gospel of Luke. On the first day of the week, very very early in the morning, the woman took some spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. These are the words that we say together and we proclaim together every Easter, and yet this year we are apart. Um, I know it's hard for you guys and it's hard for me to accept that we can't meet and be together this Easter, but through the miracles of technology, we we can still hear each other and proclaim this goodness in our homes and in our lives. One of the things I tried to do after we read the Passion Accounts last week, both in in its literary or in its gospel form from Luke on Sunday, and then the other form I posted online from the book on apologetic was to try um, and to take the darkness in for a bit. There's a there's a movie, and I was trying to remember it all week, but I couldn't quite figure it out. There's a movie where the 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 dad or somebody keeps saying to the child that's scared that you have 10 seconds to let the. I'm looking at Jonathan and Emily. Kara, to see if they can tell me what movie it is, too, because I can't remember. But you have 10 seconds to sort of take all that you're scared of and the dark in, and then you have to move, and you have to get going. No memories here of that movie either. If you remember it, email me. But what I was thinking of last week after I finished reading the stories twice was perhaps liturgically this is a time for me to sort of set in the darkness And while it may seem dark in the world, the darkness that comes with us pushing the light of the world out onto the cross to say that God near us is too much and we have to crucify him as he is handed over to sinners, as the women are called to remember in the Gospel of Luke, is to say to let all of the darkness in for this week. But for me, I I was thinking to take Easter and then to settle into the goodness of that day. And as we talk about every year, Easter season is not just one day, but it's 50 days. And so for the next 50 days, to try and settle into the goodness of the news that he's not here, he is risen. He's not here, he is risen. One of my favorite quotes I like to share every year is that we are Easter people and alleluia is our song that the church and the life of the world are these people who proclaim resurrection and life over death, that the chasm of sin and death and darkness and destruction is not too great for God to reach across and to bring out life. And we see the first fruits of that in this resurrection from the dead in Jesus Christ. May we settle into the goodness of the day As that thought came to me, I was thinking, well, that seems a bit optimistic in the world that we have. But as as you read the gospel story, these people who bring us this news of this day, which to the first apostles seems uh, like nonsense in the version we read or an idle tale in other versions, it seems too good to be true, is that they had gone out to anoint their dead friend's body for burial and to go back to life as normal. I don't think it's too optimistic for us to settle into the goodness of this day when it too began in the shadow of death. Spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And what they find there is the stone that is rolled away. Now part of the challenge with Easter for me is I I have this long-standing belief, and I say it every year, is that Easter preaching isn't very good because it sometimes fails to encompass the good news that he's not here, he is risen. Pastors, we try to get cute on this day and make it interesting or dynamic or different, but the news doesn't change. He's not here, he is risen. Or we try to make it apologetic and point out that that these things make the empty tomb believable. But what's interesting about Luke's telling of the story is both Peter seeing the linens and the woman seeing the tomb empty didn't inspire them to faith automatically. They had to remember. And so as much as preachers on this holiday might try to prove or to make apologetic points that call people to think that Christ is risen, it's the interpretation given to it by the angels and by the man they meet on the road to Emmaus, who is Jesus, that inspires faith, not just the notion of an empty tomb. Sometimes we try to get, and I've made all these mistakes, so if you think I'm talking about somebody else, I'm talking about myself. Um, Sometimes we get too fascinated on what is the darkness of the world and we only let a crack in for the light of the resurrection. It's sad to say that in our time, not just this time, but in most of our time, it's much easier to exegite the darkness of what we see, the sin, the darkness, the impression, the ways in which death still rules over the world, than it is easy for us to go wholeheartedly into the belief that he's not here, he is risen. But in light of where we are in the world today, I think it's important for us to bring back that in Easter is not the end of the story. It's not the nice culmination of the story of Christ. But it actually, in Luke's gospel combined with Acts, functions as a new beginning. It functions as a new creation. It functions as if a new song has been born into the world. We hear echoes of this song in the Old Testament. Jonathan's reading from from Isaiah that proclaims the amazingness of this new creation where death begins to fade and even people who live to 100 are thought to be young. And the economic structures of of where you build and somebody else gains the profit is given back to you and you live and you eat and you enjoy the gifts of life. Or the psalm that we began with this morning that proclaims over and over again, his love endures forever. A new song, a new creation has been born. And that life of that place is lived out, wisely or not, as we think of God, through the life of the church together. That he sets up communities throughout the world that are witnesses to this reign that death has faded. Now, one of the things I was thinking about this week is, is that in, in, as we... Reclaim our baptized identity. It's, it's for me, I think, one of the greater challenges of Christian life today is reclaiming our baptized identity. That we have been baptized into this death on the day of our baptism. And that on the same day of our baptism, we have been raised into new life. This death, the one I started with, is one that eclipses the world in its darkness. That humanity, when very God of very God was among them, couldn't handle it and sought to squelch that light. And God allowed it to happen. But by our participation in baptism in that death, I think we can say, um, as many theologians have pointed out in recent years, is that the worst thing that can happen to us has already happened to us that our baptized lives being raised to new life also hold the best thing that can happen to us has already begun in us. Being submerged in the waters, we take part in a pale form in the way in which Christ was, was in the tomb and being raised up, we are raised up into new life together. In this world, we participate in this not because of any virtue of ourselves, but because Christ has paved the way for us. He's not here. He is risen. Becomes true of the Christian as they are raised from the waters of baptism. So this story isn't just um, this simple story at the end of Luke, but one that proclaims through us the mystery of, of creation as we go forth and await resurrected life with God that we have life with God now, and it is our full consummation. This eternal life that John talks about is worth remembering as we settle into the good news of today. As Paul reminds us, to die is gain, and to live is Christ. And both of those come for us today. But what I want to do is make some quick notes on the story that we have read today. The first is, and I tried to make much of the transfiguration when we got to it, is that there's these two men who appear there in clothes gleaming like lightning stood beside them. When we talked about the transfiguration, I tried to set it as this creation set ablaze that we catch a glimpse of in that moment. This creation renewed and transformed. Uh, in, in one of the Orthodox phrases that comes to this, that creation is like the burning bush that Moses meets, that it is both a flame but not consumed. That was in Luke's gospel, and there were two people there, and it's this place here that these, these two people appear again, or, or the phrase, the Greek phrase, about their clothes glowing, which we heard about Jesus in that gospel. It's to say that that vision of creation set ablaze has become true at this moment. It's been proclaimed at this moment. And we catch a glimpse of it again. But these two men, as women bow down before him, then have a message. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? It's a question that I think is important for us to remember. Why is it in the course of our lives, it's much easier to look among the dead than it is for the living one? It's the finality of death that still draws us near, but in the Christian imagination, it's the resurrection of new life that continues on. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? But what they proclaim after that is that he's not here; he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee: "Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, on the third day rose, rise again." What's changed in this recalling of the story is that it says into the hands of sinners. This original phrase, it was in the chief priests and those will crucify him. That was a, about who would do it. But now it talks about, in a massive way, who's responsible for this one. It's sinners like us that crucify him and push him out of the world. But what they're called to do is remember. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. And the story after that says, and then they remembered his words. Faith, I think, has something to do with looking to the past acts of God. One of the things that's connected to this event that we often miss is the Passover, in which God prepares a way through for his people out of the slavery of Egypt and into the promised land of new life. What we see in that in massive form, not in smaller form in the cross and resurrection, is that God paves the way for his people out of the slavery of sin and death and into the new life of resurrection, into the new life of good news. And one of the things that the faithful people of Israel are always called to do is to remember that, to enact that, to bring to the present that act by which God set them free. One of the things I've been trying to convince our church of, I don't know if it's working, but um, is that we, on Easter Sunday 2020, in some sense, are closer to the good news of the resurrection than we were on some random day in 1990. It's being and enacting this day, bringing this event to the present, that he is not here, is risen, hallelujah, Christ is risen, the overwhelming of the grave that can transclipse in our lives as we reenact it today. Remember how he told you. It's often counterintuitive is as, as when I do my makeshift psychology. I was trained in it. I'm not very good at it. But to remember is, is one of the ways in which we work through. It was, it was Kierkegaard who said that life can only be lived forward, but it can only be understood backward. And for us, it's to remember first that God raised Israel out of Egypt. And second, that God raised Jesus out of the grave. And that has paved a way for good news, for resurrection, so that we can settle into the goodness of this day. And it's this day that, that should remind us of both our fragility and our exposure in the world, that our lives are so fragile that we are so exposed. And it's one of those things, that truth is one we try to deceive ourselves about. We will die someday. But what we remember as Christians on this day is the nearness of God in our lives. That this day, Christ is risen that this day resurrection is deeper than death. God's yes resounds greater than God's no. God's new creation begins again. One of the things the women in this story are able to do is to remember his words at the prompting of the angels. When they go and tell the eleven, they can't seem to make sense of it because they are not called to remember those words. Even Peter, who goes to the tomb, went away wondering what happened to himself, which is exactly where the women were before this. It gives us something to announce. The announcement that he's not here, he is risen, isn't going to appear magically in this world. Even people who went to the tomb, stone rolled away, linens laying there in the ground, go away wondering at what they had seen. And so it is for us, with the power of the Spirit as we see enacting in the Gospel, in the book of Acts, God's Spirit enabling us to proclaim to the world that even when they get close in their wondering that the truth is that he's not here, he is risen. As I began saying that Easter sermons um, tend to fall flat in this world, mine included, and perhaps this one as well, I always cover my my bases by reading perhaps the most famous Easter sermon at the end from St. John Christendom. Um, it's this Easter sermon. John does not stumble upon the good news he just merely proclaims it this this saint john and so i'll read that together and then we'll close in prayer but let us settle into the goodness of this day if any be a devout lover of god let him partake with gladness from this fair and radiant feast if any be a faithful servant let him enter rejoicing into the joy of the lord If any have wearied himself with fasting, let him now rejoice his reward. If any have labored from the first hour, let them receive today his rightful due. If any have come after the third, let them celebrate the feast with thankfulness. If any have come after the sixth, let them not be in doubt, for they will suffer no loss. If any have delayed until the ninth, let them not hesitate, but draw near. If any have only arrived at the eleventh, let them not be afraid, because he comes so late. For the master is generous, and accepts even the last as the first. He gives rest to him who comes at the eleventh hour, in the same way as with them who labored from the first accepts the deeds and commends the intention. Enter then all of you into the joy of the Lord. First and last alike receive all your reward. Rich and poor dance together. You who have fasted and you who have not fasted rejoice together. The table is fully laden. Let all enjoy it. The calf is fattened. Let no one go away hungry. Let none lament their poverty, for the universal kingdom is revealed. Let none bewail their transgressions, for the light of forgiveness has risen from the tomb. Let none fear death, for the death of the Savior has set us free. He has destroyed death by undergoing death. He has despoiled hell by descending into hell. He has vexed it, and it has tasted of, and it has tasted of his flesh. Isaiah foretold this when he cried, "Hell was filled with bitterness when it met thee face to face below, filled with bitterness, for it was brought to nothing; filled with bitterness, for it was mocked; filled with bitterness, for it was overthrown; filled with bitterness, for it was put in chains." Hell received a body and encountered God. It received earth and confronted heaven. O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, hell, where is your victory? Christ is risen, and you, O oh, death, are annihilated. Christ is risen, and the evil ones are cast down. Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen, and life is liberated. Christ is risen, and the tomb is emptied of its dead. For Christ, having risen from the dead, is to become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. To him be power and glory, now and forever, from all ages to all ages. Amen. Let us pray. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. God, bring your people, your saints, into the rest of this day, of the goodness of this day, of the dawning of new creation and your son's resurrection from the dead. Allow us to remember your faithfulness in bringing your people out of slavery to Egypt and in this moment out of slavery to sin and death and raising us and bringing us to new created life. May this new song, may this new creation resound in our bodies, resound in the body that is your church. And may we, like those who wonder what has happened, ask, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. We say and pray all this to the praise of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
4: In Christ alone, my hope is found. Strength by song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of
3: Christ has risen from the grave, and this brings us to our moment of confession. It's on Easter, I remember that theologians have pointed out that confession and these movements are oftentimes more for us than they are for God. We hang on to these things and make ourselves slave to them, but as God who has already forgiven and set us free... But it is God in his mercy who has allowed us the ability to go to him again and to hear the words of absolution. And so on this day, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In humility and faith, let us confess our sins to God.
1: and walk walk in in your your ways to the glory of of your
3: holy name. May we hear the good news that resounds throughout creation. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ, and Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. Know that on this day and all days, you are forgiven. Be at peace. Amen. And as we confess our sins together, so too we also confess the faith together this faith that proclaims that on the third day he rose again and ascended into heaven. Let us confess together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, And so too, on this morning, we pray the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who is is in heaven, hallowed be be your name, your Your kingdom kingdom come, come. your Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give Give us this day our daily bread bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those those who sin sin against us. Lead us not to temptation but deliver us from from evil. evil. For yours yours is the the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now it is our time where we offer prayers for the sake of the world. Let us pray. As we remember the story of God's gracious presence with us through life and death, we lift our thanks and prayers on behalf of all creation. God, we pray for your people, the church, throughout the world during this time. May we be your hands and feet, but may we also be people who can settle into the goodness of this day. May we know the one who has the power over the grave. God, we pray for Sylvia and the ringers as they deal with their diagnosis out in the valley. We pray for those near to us and those far away struggling with the sickness. It goes throughout the earth. God, we pray for those struggling with what they've lost. Whether it be saying goodbye to a loved one, whether it be weddings, funerals, birthdays, proms, graduations. Moments of life that help us mark our days in time. We pray that you would be with them. God, we pray for the kids of this valley and the kids throughout this country who have lost the rhythm of a school day before they were ready. We pray for those to whom going home during this time is not good news. We pray for those whom have the challenge of keeping their hands full of goodness during this time. God, we pray for those who are shut in. With loneliness as their only friend, that you would be a light to them, God. That you would comfort them in their time of loneliness. Be near to Ruth. Be near to others have locked themselves in. God, we also pray for those in the nursing home across the street that we know Clarice and Leanne, but also throughout nursing homes throughout the world. If there is a place where this darkness seems to strike the hardest, it seems among seniors, God, protect those places. Protect the workers in those places. May health last there. May the people who reside in those places be welcome on the other side of this into life again. God, we pray for your health care workers, those who in the midst of this pain and grief have to stand at bedsides, be near to those who are sick, to put themselves at risk, God, pray that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them insight, and that you would comfort them as well. God, we pray for the va- families of our church. Many of us are still trying to go through days of work with kids at home. Many of us are trying to hold life together. So for them and through all people in the world who are just trying to hold on during this time, be with them and ease us all into the goodness of this day. For it was your friends who went out to anoint you who were dead and found out that the grave cannot hold you back. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. God of salvation, your wisdom and compassion guide us in the midst of pain and grief, in the midst of temptation and fear, through your resurrection power, heal our sour and uplift us in delight, that we may know that the fulfillment of your promise and our restoration to wholeness. O God of glory, in the Easter dawn, you raise Jesus from death to life. As we are united with him in death, so unite uh, with us with him in resurrection, that we may walk in the newness of life. Amen.
2: Praise God from whom all blessings, blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, above the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy.
3: You be set free to rest in the goodness of this day that God has risen from the grave. To proclaim that He's not here, He is risen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. We are Easter people, and Hallelujah is our song. Amen.